This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use offer code PROBABLYSCIENCE. This week's episode was recorded live at the Punchline Comedy Club as part of SF Sketchfest, and we'd like to thank the fine people at the Punchline Comedy Club and everyone involved with Sketchfest for having us. I'd also like to thank Professor Matt Walker, Kurt Brownoller, Dan Van Kirk, Chris Rote for helping coordinate this week's guest, and Lindsay Burdett for taking some great pictures of the proceedings that you can find over at probablyscience.com. And of course, thank you to all of the fans that came out to see us live. We really appreciate it. We had a blast. So let's get to it. All right, I want you to give it up from L.A., the hosts of Probably Science. We got Mr. Matt Kirshen, Jesse Case, and Andy Wood. We did it. We did it. We did it, guys. We made it to San Francisco. Welcome, guys. Welcome welcome to Probably Science. How's everyone doing? You guys good? Oh, this is, uh, yeah, this is great, man. This is I'm our first live one from San here. Francisco. First live one from San Francisco. We took the trolley. We've done San Francisco stuff. We did, we got Matt some, and I have uh, slept with a man. I had some saltwater taffy. I didn't yeah. know you guys did that. I no, we, we did that. That's where we popped out this morning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, how have all your weekends been so far? Everyone good. Audience here. Good. Awesome. I'm curious how many of you guys have actually heard the podcast before by show of hands or applause or something. Right. Sure. Nice. All right. Awesome. Cool. How many of you are actually related to me? How many of you? Okay. Nobody. People. Few. Sure. There's a couple of uh, Andy swimming competitors <laughs> at the back of the room. We talked about that on the podcast last week. Yeah, I'm I'm supposedly training for a meet in the morning. Andy's training for a swim meet. That's his main reason. Against the rest two of us are here for Sketchfest, but <laughs> that applause at the back, that is confirmation. I know this sounds like a weird bit we're doing, but Andy no, is really... He's actually going to do a swim competition anybody wants to come to University of San Francisco at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. I and will... don't worry, ladies, he will be shaved. <laughs> yeah, come <laughs> shaving for it. Even the stuff inside the suit, it's just psychological. I keep it all <laughs> very trim. It's important. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like we should explain what this podcast is to those of you who haven't been here before. This is a thing we've done for the last two years, and we usually take a look at the week's science news stories and have comedian guests on with varying levels of expertise in the subjects. But sometimes we have actual scientists on. So this is one of those special yeah. events. So real sci- we have real scientists. With real science information. Yeah. So that's what's going to be happening tonight. Or t- t- tonight. This afternoon. This afternoon. Indeed. That's what's going to be happening today. We'll have a real scientist on, and we'll be talking science. We've also got a guest on. Mm-hmm. We have a comedic guest who may or may not know about that science topic. We'll see once that happens, I guess. Yeah, it's all very exciting. <laughs> We're very exciting. excited to be here. Yeah. Um, you guys are less excited at the moment. But we... <laughs> no, but it'll get yeah. it gets better. It, it gets is a little better. bit early. It's a little bit early it's to start drinking. for us. It gets better. We've... Yay, yeah. afternoon science. Yeah. We've, had, we've had a weird, just a weird morning. It's just been weird. Matt's a bit hungover. You've been doing shows all weekend? I've, I've been heard. doing shows, yeah. I, I, I did Sketchfest shows yesterday as well, and then there was the Sketchfest after party, so I went here from the hotel to the CVS to the painkilling brat aisle, <laughs> yeah, and then here. But what's happened is, like, a minute or two before I went on, like, the aspirin's kicking in, and I think this is going to be a good one, I, guys. I, nice. I did the same thing. I did a gig in San Luis Obispo last night. Excellent. And uh, Yeah, pretty... Yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, brag. No, like, I'm not trying to, like, tell you, like, where I'm at in my career. <laughs> but last night I was in San Luis Obispo, uh, and uh, again, not bragging, uh, they had me at a Best Western. And, um, Ooh, the best. It is the best. And um, so really I... pushed those mediocre Westerns out of business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so here's, here's what happened to me last night. Uh, had a decent gig, went home, uh, went back to the hotel, and um, turns out that Best Western puts um, citrus uh, in their lotion. So... Uh, <laughs> 
This is supposed to be, guys. This is usually a very no. scientific podcast. No, no, I'm we saying don't it's, it's always fucking brutal. I was like, just yeah. the screams through the corridors of me in my room. Um, so that's what Best Westerns because doing. of the that's back of your hand was sensitive to the citrus. Yes, yeah. So, so okay. I found out I had paper cuts. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So okay. Clearly, that's what just, it was. It was just yes. a terrible night. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 did an experiment, you might say. It was a con- it was not controlled, but it was you experimented with a different. I'm just trying to tie this into no, science. No, we'll and get not it just together. No, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, that was brutal. So I'm not staying at Best Western anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> bring bring my own lotion. lotion. That's a great call. B Y O L. Do you do you B Y O L? You don't need it. She's oh, wait. Great. Are you All bragging? Right. About- <laughs> what? I think an audience member was just bragging about her own uh, bodily fluids. She was bragging about her copia. viscosity. That's, yes. You can do that. Yeah, can you? Yeah, you can brag about your viscosity. We brought an actual professor here today, guys, <laughs> who is inching towards the door right no, now. No, he's a viscous guy. It's, it's fine. This is fine. Uh, before we bring up our first guest, we should do a little housekeeping. We always like to tell people that if we have anything we've been wrong about in past episodes, feel free to correct us. Most things. Find us Most on things. Twitter at Probably Science. Um, I'm going to do the correction on this one. Jesse said that uh, last week he said that the MGM lion, the day after they recorded the famous roar, he ate, he killed and ate the trainer. He killed and ate the trainer. According to Snopes, complete bullshit. No, <laughs> really? that's not true at all. Complete bullshit. I hate to throw you under the bus. Well, tell me the that. truth part. There is no, tr- what do you mean the truth? That didn't happen. When the did he kill it? The lion didn't maul and kill anybody. Was it, the it was two days later? <laughs> no, like, it, there must be some story, right? Maybe like, no, they got like the no trainer story. mixed up with lunch. Yeah, okay. Like he had the, the, lunch. The, the lion probably had lunch at some point. <laughs> that didn't happen. No. <laughs> Why not? Because it's, first of all, it sounded so obviously fake as soon as you said it. That it's I was a great like, fact. I'm Snopes that. It's most, a great fact. No, if most you're not things, bound by the rules of. Most things on Snopes, just, it's just let it be true. It bums people out. <laughs> But it's not true. That's why Bill Nye had to debate that guy last week. Did you guys watch the debate? Bill Nye oh, had that was the creationist. Intense. That was intense. It was killer. Cornell represent. Cornell Eng- I got a couple Cornell engineers in the house. Uh, <laughs> nobody nobody a fan of... Okay. No. Okay. Sorry. All right. Sure. All right. Fair you enough. You almost pulled that one off. Like no. That, you I, almost got away with that. For that. Cornell in the house. <laughs> yeah. Just no, immediately. You can't, really. you can't do that. Big red. No. All right. <laughs> you guys, I think it's time we bring up our first guest. What do you think? You want to? I think we should. I think we should because we've got I'm a fantastic I'm in the mood for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you may know this next gentleman from shows including Conan, Delocated, At Midnight, Bob's Burgers. He's the host of the K-Hole podcast. Please welcome to the stage, Kurt Brownoller. Kurt, Kurt Brownoller. There he is. Pretend there's some theme music happening. Wherever you want. Wherever you Pick want. Pick one. How's this, guys? Bop, Symmetry. Bop, 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 bop. Is that on? Spaces. Is it just me? Is it on? Oh, great. Hi, Is it everybody. too quiet? Thanks for coming, Kurt. What? Yeah, man. I want to be really loud. <laughs> uh, I like to learn things about no, all No, I mean, is it, too, is it too quiet for you guys? It's a little too quiet. Yeah. Let's Keep get this talking. worked out. Keep going. Keep going. Let's get it worked hey, out. You, uh, Kurt, how's your sketch fest been, buddy? It's been great. I do. I like to know that you take aspirin like a... 1920s British gentleman, uh, <laughs> or like a like a baby. Um, <laughs> that's great. Uh, I like that you're that. You, there's Should I never be mainlining been... codeine or something? <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just grow up into Advil. Uh, <laughs> I like that you went... <laughs> Cornell engineers in the house has never been more lukewarmly received. No, never. By the and people. there are actual Cornell engineers in the house. There are multiple Cornell engineers Dial in the house. Back. <laughs> no, nope, nobody's on board with that. Wow. It's okay. Hi guys, thanks for having me. 
Thanks for coming on Hit Comedy. Yeah. Yeah. We always ask our guests if they have any science background. Whether or not they're comedians, we always like to find out if you have any sort of interest. I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was a kid, and then I realized that I'm terrible at science. Okay. So I gave that up. (laughs) That dream died. And then uh, no no other science uh, background, although I am excellent at making facts up. And then oh, okay. stating them authoritatively. Have you heard about this lion real. <laughs> at the yeah, MGM? It, well, although the thing is about that is it wasn't true. But the killer, I mean, the trainer killed himself. That's what it was. So people thought it was the it was the lion, but actually the the trainer killed. Oh, himself. the trainer yeah. the yeah, trainer yeah. killed himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Right, right, That's yeah. exactly yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With, okay. A, with a different lion. Look he it just... up, nerds. <laughs> Look it up. Email it in, fucking nerds. Uh, front row lady, hands out of the pants. Go look it up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you really don't have any like stories from your childhood of of you remember a science teacher who was influential in your life who inspired you. I was you, considered. I was. They people thought I was um, developmentally disabled <laughs> until second grade. Mm-hmm. So I was kept in all of like dumb reading groups. When and everything. did they start thinking that again? Uh, just recently. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, but because I would just sit because I was obsessed with Irish step dancing. <laughs> <laughs> And, we all went um, through the phase, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, the era. Sure. So from from kindergarten to fourth grade, I Irish step danced, and so and I was very hyper as a kid. So in in first grade, I would turn just to the side and just Irish step dance, you know, in my seat. And so they thought like he's he's retarded. Like what is he yeah, doing? Yeah, clearly. And they separated me out and they put me into a corner, which is now illegal. You're not allowed to do that to a child. And I would have to stand, I would have to sit with my desk facing the wall so that I could not learn. And then it was perfect for me because it freed me up just to Irish step dance just the just whole day. Dance. Yeah. So I would just sit there, Irish step dance. And then when I got to second grade, I had an actual good teacher. That teacher by the name was named Mrs. High Horse. <laughs> I swear to fucking God. She had married a native guy whose, whose last name was High Horse. And, um, and so, and, but when I got to second grade, uh-huh. that's when she was like, oh, he's just hyper. Like, she'd let me run around the school like twice, and then I'd sit down, and I'd, she was like, oh, he's very smart. Um, as you're doing your, you as you're taking your test, you just yeah. nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Just taking tests and dancing the whole time. Wow. Did you ever take it to the next level of standing up Irish dancing? Or was it? Oh, yeah. No, I, I competed in feshes like every weekend. In what? In what? In what? Feshes are Irish like step that. dance competition. No? F-E-I-S is there. And I, I would go with, and it was like my mom really raised me as if I was a girl. Um, <laughs> I would go with all these girls and it would be me and then 10 girls. Right. And we would go to these, we would have to go to like Atlantic City or fucking Philadelphia. And we would have a hotel room and we'd wake up in the morning and we'd go, and I would be the only person competing in my competition bracket because there's <laughs> no boys. And I couldn't Irish step dance f- to save my life. They, I was terrible. And I won every single time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had hundreds of trophies of Irish step dancing. <laughs> and if I competed against one, if there was one other boy, I would always get second place. Right. <laughs> I was terrible because you're supposed to keep your hands like really tight like that. And I would just be like, yeah, yeah. And my my, my mom said that the judges would just look down and start laugh crying like tears coming down. And then I would win. Nice. Yeah. Nice. He sort of benefited from like a Title Nine reverse Title Nine thing. Like uh, step dancing. I don't know what they that have is. to have a guy's category, I guess. They have to have gender equality. Oh yeah. We can't, no, like, I think they like would. The, they would have been totally fine not doing that. Right. But it's well, like I'm here, guys. 
It's well, no, sort of why, the Airbud rule of like, well, it's not in the rule book. It's not in the rule book. Have a golden retriever. <laughs> a golden retriever can play basketball. It's an Airbud rule. It's the Airbud rule. I like it that even when it was Airbud two and three, and it was no longer a sport that involved jumping, it was still Airbud. It was a uh, golden right? receiver. Was right golden the uh, receiver. Yeah. football one? Yeah. Did you guys know that there's these space buddy movies now? That are fucking boop, 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 crazy. Sciency? Uh, no, they're they're <laughs> buddies, but Air Bud had a bunch of children, and then all of them are now in movies together. Like eight in space. One's that, called wait, Space the, Buddies. That Golden Retriever had had. Yeah, the Golden Retriever had all these babies. That's the theory. This, these must, are not. That that, that dog is soul. dead by far a sure, long sure. time ago. That dog's way dead. Yeah. Sure, these are Space Buddies. There's Treasure Buddies, Space Buddies, and they're all based on like different movies that they're just for. Well, if any of them were based on Leica, the dog in space, they're way dead too. Oh yeah, <laughs> super oh. dead. They just You're talking fucking, about the Russian dog. The Russian dog. They just yeah. fucking. We don't know how to get shit back yet, but yeah. let's uh, see if a dog can live up there. But did you know that they sent up a cat and the cat lived? Are you serious? Yeah, they cat brought the lived. cat back. Well, they, they, brought the their, cat they land back. on their paws. Boom. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's some hard science. That's this. There we go. Well, Kurt, yeah. did you sleep well last night? Uh, I slept fine last night, but I did. I do have. I do have a sleeping story. It's Excellent. a sleepwalking story. Okay. Really? Yes. Yeah, so this is what happened. I was in. New Orleans. It was Kristen Shaw, my comedy partner. It was her bachelorette party. And so we were there and we're having a grand old time. It's New Orleans. Everybody's getting very drunk. I get very drunk. Okay. I end up, uh, I end up having to be put to bed. Too drunk to have, hang out. And I'm put to bed. Now, my last memory of the evening is being at this bar where you had to ring the doorbell to get into the bar. Exclusive. Because it was a, no, it was just creepy. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. And, uh, that's the last memory I have is being in this bar. And I, the next thing I know, I come to, I'm totally naked in the W Hotel on the fifth floor. I'm staying on the 23rd floor. <laughs> I'm on the fifth floor, totally naked. And in my hand, I have house keys that aren't mine. <laughs> nice. And then I just start like, I come to it. I'm like, what happened? And I, and I start to just like run and hide, but everywhere I run and hide, it's another person's door to their hotel room. Right. So I'm just like, if they come home and then I, it's just like, it's a waking nightmare. It's essentially like you come to and just like you're naked and you can't go anywhere. I keep, I keep imagining you get out of this by step dancing sometimes. <laughs> that would be the best way <laughs> like, to get like out a, of it. You fake like a singing telegram. <laughs> you just sort of, you know. <laughs> da -da -da -da, I'm out. Right. Uh, but the last... And you can't cover yourself because your arms keep flailing. <laughs> right. Ah, that's yeah. jazz. <laughs> I've always wondered, like, if actual cops would ever just, like, start stripping if they they did, like, they raided the wrong house. Like, it's a perfect <laughs> way out. Just to just... You're <laughs> perfect. Such an easy way out. <laughs> yeah. One of the easiest ways out of that situation, to, com uh, to stick like around for the defense, next half hour and get naked... <laughs> Much easier than sorry, I feel like got that the wrong house. Add to the uh, offense. <laughs> <laughs> but once, I had just... once your attorney enters that as, right. as as a piece of evidence, well, then they started stripping, so it became okay. It became <laughs> a, yeah. Um, but when I came to in the in the hotel, the last thing I remember was being at the bar, and I just finished reading the Time Traveler's Wife. Has anybody read that? Where there's a guy, <laughs> yeah, right? The guy yeah, really time travels accidentally. He doesn't mean to, and he time travels, and then he just comes to, and he's totally naked in a different time, mm. okay? Well, that's how time traveling term Terminator, it's, you always time you travel naked. naked, right? Yeah. Naked, yeah. So I, that is, I decide that that has happened to me. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. I'm like, <laughs> I was at a bar, what, I am at the hotel now. 
And I start running around, and then I get in the elevator. I'm like, I know I'm on the 23rd floor, and I start hitting the button. And the doors close, and it's one of those where you need the card key to get the elevator to work because it's fucking the middle of New Orleans. And, what is uh, with New Orleans? You need a fucking doorbell to drink. Yeah, <laughs> and then you need everything locked down. <laughs> everything uh, has steps. Essentially, all the logic behind that is New Orleans dangerous. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and so then the doors close. And now I'm stuck in this elevator. <laughs> I'm totally naked. We're just holding on to these house keys that aren't mine. And I was like, "Oh no! If somebody calls this, I'm just gonna—I'm just gonna appear naked." <laughs> and uh, and so I get out of it, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna—I'll start to climb the stairs up to the 23rd floor." You're on the and fifth. I'm the fifth, and so I start climbing. Midway through, a very nice man who works at the hotel, who has probably <laughs> been sitting there watching me on like five different TVs, <laughs> run naked around his hotel. <laughs> appears and he has a um a a bathrobe for me and he and he says very nicely looks like you've been sleepwalking son <laughs> and i looked him dead in the eye i go no i haven't and i walked away and refused the bathrobe yeah yeah because i was like no, he gave me an out i was like i haven't been sleepwalking buddy <laughs> fucking time traveling yeah yeah i was proud you know time machine yeah and so I, <laughs> so then I walk all the way up to the 20. I'm sure he just like sat there and watched me walk all the way up right. on the monitors and be like, up oh, there he is. And so I start banging on my hotel room door. My girlfriend's asleep inside. She is passed out. Doesn't hear me banging. I'm banging. I'm banging. I'm making noise. And so got, of course he shows up again. He's like, let me let you in. And he puts on the bathrobe and I'm like, okay. And then I go inside. And I wake up my girlfriend. I'm like, baby, baby, wake up. Wake up. i just been on the fifth floor. What the fuck happened? What, I, I, I've been time traveling. A man help me. And she's just, she just starts going, not my problem. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, baby, wake up. Where? I've been outside trapped in hell for the past hour. And she's like, not my problem. She keeps wanting to sleep. I finally wake her up. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like, you probably have just been in the room the whole time. You just dreamt that. And I was like, oh, yeah? Well, then where did this robe come sure. from? Sure. And she's like, where did that robe come yeah. from? And it turns out that the keys were my friend's keys who had stayed in our hotel the room night before, but not this night, had left his house keys. So I must have woken up. Been like, going to the bathroom, got to get my keys. <laughs> and grabbed his house keys and then left. And then I think maybe I was going to go to the pool because I was on the fifth floor. I don't know. Uh, sure. And sure. the next morning I saw the guy and I was like, listen, sorry about that. And he kind of pretended like he didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, that's kind of you. And he's like, yeah, that was real fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my, my major sleep disorder. Your sleep disorder? My sleep disorder. <laughs> Maybe more of an alcohol disorder. But yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, honey, I got a little bit of a sleeping problem. I think, uh... But I did sleepwalk all the way down to the fifth floor. That's well. A blackout is not blackout? a yeah. I was sleeping. You know what? We might be able to. Might be someone in the audience who might be able to. Do you think we have someone that could explain the difference explain between, between a blackout and a sleepwalk? There might be somebody here who specializes in the sleep. There might be somebody who hails from the University of California at Berkeley. What? From the Department of Psychology. You're kidding. This is such audience. a sneaky way of right. introducing him. <laughs> there like may or may all not. of us are not expecting a scientist to come up on stage. <laughs> Why don't we welcome to the stage Professor Matt Walker? Yeah, Professor Matt Woo! Walker, everybody, all the way from literally a dozen miles away across the across the bay, UC Berkeley. All right, thanks Hello. for coming. Hello, hey, thank you, Matt, for coming. You're very welcome. So, is sleep is the topic is the topic of the show today. 
And uh, I don't know if you guys did your research, but I've been watching numerous, and by numerous I mean one, but it was an hour and a half long, one Google t- Tech Talk from Professor Walker here, uh, all about why why humans sleep, why anybody sleeps, why there is sleep. Does anybody have a theory about that? Kurt, why do you have why a- we sleep? Yeah. It's really restful. <laughs> I feel like I'm in But like, when you really think about it, it's this thing that we've all done for a third of our lives, but uh, haven't spent much time really thinking about yeah what is there because sleep from an evolutionary point of view sleep seems like a dangerous thing for any animal to do like you're basically making yourself vulnerable to any predators for a third of a day yeah i mean it's just sort of from an evolutionary perspective it's the very worst thing that you could ever do so you're not finding food you're not finding a mate you're not socializing um so on all of those grounds it's the dumbest thing that you could possibly design how how are the levels? Are are, are oh can, can I, people hear me? Oh, that, it, I want him. To, can here, people you take in the back this. hear everything? Because I'm a yeller. Because if not, we can. Okay, <laughs> there we go. You can. Here, right. you take this. That's always an interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's it's a really dumb idea from from that sort of perspective. The fact, however, that it has persisted in evolution, every species that we've studied to date seems to sleep. So that tells us that it's, it's important. It's fundamentally important at the most basic of biological levels. Wait, all animals sleep? So every single species that's been studied, they all demonstrate sleep. Yep. But, okay. I thought, so I thought sharks been... didn't sleep. Is that an MGM lion thing? It is. It absolutely <laughs> is. A, I'll, I'll fucking fall for anything, yeah. apparently. Sharks, uh, <laughs> even lion trainers and lions, they both sleep. Maybe not at the same time. Maybe that's the reason for the death. <laughs> the lion trainer uh, just, yeah, yeah sleep. According lion, to Wall Street, too, money never sleeps. Yep. So, you right, yeah. Oh, that's good right. call. New, that New York never no, sleeps? Nothing. Explain that. that Scientist. Uh, that's right. Last I checked, I don't think it was a species. <laughs> but anyway, I could be wrong. Uh, Jelly, same with money. Jellyfish can't sleep. So even bacteria seem to have what? active and passive periods. <laughs> so as far down as that in, in terms of phylogeny, there seems to be something that resembles sleep. Wow. So it, it's that necessary. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So what about real badasses? What about people who just <laughs> claim they don't need sleep? Like three hours. Yeah. What about those Bill, people who Bill's are just macho? Yeah. What about doctors who yeah. work super long shifts and yeah, they say, me- I've methods. trained myself to yeah, not be a sleeper yeah. and so, still function? Yeah, so it, Someone just said Jack Bauer Jack, as well. perfect example. <laughs> perfect example. So yeah, if you play all of these seasons... Back to back, like that's a long time. There was never a nap episode. Around. Yeah, I never saw that series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least one just of the episodes. Just nap episode. him hit the snooze a couple times. Like an yeah. eight-episode run, just eight hours in a row where he's just asleep. Right. <laughs> it's like a Truman Show type thing. <laughs> yeah, and everybody, everybody's sleeping, so it's like beep, beep, <laughs> right, beep. Like all the characters, it's sleeping. Right. And that's just the whole episode. Every time you see someone get up and take a piss and they go... <laughs> so so the, the, the notion that people can survive on what we call insufficient sleep. Insufficient mm-hmm. sleep, by the way, in terms of a definition, is probably about less than seven hours. Um, the problem with sleep deprivation is that your subjective opinion of how you're doing with insufficient sleep is a miserable predictor of objectively how you actually are doing. So the analogy would be the guy at the bar, the drunk driver who's sitting there and says, no, I am perfectly fine to drive home right now right. after my half bottle of Jack Daniels uh, and, and the six beers. And the idea is, no, I know that you think you're fine to drive home. However, trust me, objectively, you're a disaster. Right. And that's the same way with sleep, that people's First perception of First of all, don't of talk they... about my dad on the show. <laughs> 
I, I know we spoke about it this earlier, but I, wasn't, no, I, said, I didn't mention thing. any names. That's my one thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my mistake. <laughs> but your dad is interesting. In, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it almost seems like it almost seems like life. All of life was just like, look, this place sucks. So why don't all of us agree that for a third of it, we'll just be unconscious for it? Wow. That's probably the best uh, theory of sleep I so, think I've ever had. But. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're talking about, so sleep deprivation, um, your own opinion becomes very morphed and things like that. I mean, I've obviously, and, and no one should do this, but I've like driven extremely sleep deprived before where it seems like my peripheral vision just isn't there anymore because I know how your your brain fills in some images maybe that's not true maybe I heard it at a fucking bar somewhere Snoop but, says nope but, but and that that guy who's waving on the road he was trying to warn you about the murder inside the car <laughs> right, right. but but you know there there are things where it's like yeah I can feel my brain sort of I'm just shutting down yeah, so what you have during those times that you're describing is what we call micro-sleeps. So the brain will actually lapse into a small sleeping state, a little pocket of sleep in terms of a, a slice of time. And those will last for about two or three seconds before you sort of come back around. Wow. And, and the problem is that when you're driving at sort of 50 or 60 miles an hour, one of those micro-sleeps is enough for you to drift from one lane all the way over to the next. Right. So if you're having those micro-sleeps, the problem is that they could be the last micro-sleep that you ever have. Right. So don't do it. <laughs> well, no, I like, to, I like to keep myself awake by texting people, you know, and, and sort of... <laughs> Um, it know. is the current. I, I believe that is the recommendation by all medical professionals yeah, right now. Yeah, in terms of, uh, no, absolutely. An antidote. Keep your hands busy and your eyes. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. There's other ways to do that too, but I won't mention those. But yes, yeah, yeah. texting is one of again, them. Citrus, again, with the dad citrus. stuff. Citrus, citrus, citrus. Dangerous citrus. Paper cuts. <laughs> so, what are some of the things that you can benefit from from getting a full night's sleep, or things that would hurt you if you don't get a full night's sleep? Like, what are some of the actual things yeah, that can physical be physical things, actual measurable problems? Yeah, in fact, the, the, the challenge right now is to find anything that isn't benefited by sleep. Every single tissue within the body, every single process within the brain seems to be benefited by sleep and detrimentally impaired by a lack thereof. What so, about naps? Good question. So, Boom. <laughs> how do you like me now? Uh, so naps are, naps are interesting. Firstly, it's unclear that we should, we in the sort of the, industrialized nations, we should be sleeping the way that we actually are, wow. which is called monophasic sleep. Right. So that means just one long bout throughout the night of about eight hours. For most people, it's probably six. Um, instead, there's an argument that we should be sleeping what's called biphasically. So we should have about six and a half hours of sleep at night and then about a 90-minute sort of nap, that siesta-like sort of opportunity during the afternoon. Oh, so I've, been um, I've been doing that for years, thinking I'm a huge loser. No. In fact, <laughs> you know you're, I mean? just, you're just following biology. Okay. You're as smart as a Spaniard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should bring uh, you in and test you. Um, that's a classic. Everybody says that. Everyone yeah. says that. I think yeah. I, in terms of sort of comedy achievement, I think if you nap, it's only those people who nap who get to sort of do gigs at San Luis uh, Obispo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, I think that so so it's interesting in terms of the 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 way that we should be sleeping. 
Uh, certainly we know that naps can offer almost as much benefit as a whole night of sleep in terms of things like learning and memory. We don't exactly know why naps give that sort of steroidal boost to memory, um, but that they do is now fairly clear. But the, the idea that we should be having that sort of long bout during the night is challenged. The reason is because if you look at your sort of biological levels of what we call arousal, and again, we're not going back to citrus sure, sure. <laughs> moisturizer here. Uh, so, uh, but you can measure the sort of your biological sort of innate rhythm. Just in the late afternoon around that sort of 2 or 3 p.m. mark, your biological arousal drops significantly. It's the, the reason that after a good lunch and you go into a meeting around the table, everyone just starts to have those really sort of ugly head nod things going. It's not that they're listening to good music. It's that they're falling prey to this sort of biological dip. The argument being is that we should all be asleep at that point wow. because we should be sleeping biphasically, not monophasically. Is that so how you sleep? Um, I sleep principally monophasically. If ever I get the chance, I'll try and sleep biphasically, but um, I'm always a big advocate of daytime naps. Oh, man, Absolutely. I really wanted you to, to drop the, like, hanging upside down shit on us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, can, I, I can do that. Man. <laughs> yeah, when students come into my office hours and they open the door, it's the first time. Like, ah! <laughs> I'm hanging upside down like a bat. Uh, wow. So, so you won't learn this till the third year, kids. <laughs> scheduling this podcast at 4 p.m., maybe not the best idea. Uh, well, I have to say, I tend to, every time I'm sort of yeah, speaking to an audience, I actively encourage people to fall asleep while I'm talking. Most people find that utterly offensive, but to me, it's the greatest form of flattery. It just means that people can't resist the urge to strengthen what I'm telling them by falling asleep. So just go nuts. Just ebb and flow in and out of consciousness. Wow. You, did, you mentioned in the Google Tech Talk that I watched uh, the, the role that, that sleep has in writing the day's memories sort of into the hard drive of your brain. Also, can you talk a little about that? Yes. Yeah, so sleep in terms of learning and memory is important at at least two different phases or potentially three. The first is that you need to sleep before learning to prepare your brain almost like a dry sponge ready to sort of soak up new information. But it turns out you also need sleep after learning to then grab a hold of that new information and essentially cement it into the neural architecture of the brain so that you don't then forget it. So you just can't cheat sleep on either side of the sort of the memory formation process. So here's my question is, and do we actually know what uh, a brain looks like when it's writing memories into deep storage? We do. So it turns out that the brain has a set pattern of cells firing almost as though they're coding the experience. So it's almost as though your sort of iPhone is recording the video of the experience and it's writing data to the hard drive. And we know that happens when people are awake forming memories. What's bizarre is that during sleep, that same pattern The same pattern that, that happened that during that exactly, day. Exactly. The same pattern, the, the wow. signature of learning is reactivated and replayed at night when you sleep. But the bizarre thing is that it's replayed at different speeds. So in fact, it's, uh, it's sort of almost like an accelerated version of the memory. Times 20 right now is our current calculation. Oh. This happens during deep non-dreaming sleep. Most of you would think probably that this uh -huh, type of thing happens of during, yeah. right, happen during REM sleep because that's when we're dreaming. Information processing does happen during dreaming, but it's not the strengthening part. That's a different sort of form of memory benefit so, that so, you get from REM. So what is the REM sleep? What does the REM sleep do? So REM sleep um, is the principal stage from which you dream. 
Um, it's the, the stage from which you all are psychotic, and I'll briefly give you five reasons why I give you that diagnosis, because when you're dreaming, firstly, you start to see things which are not there, so you're hallucinating. Secondly, you believe things that couldn't possibly be true, so you're delusional. You get confused about time, place, and person, so you're suffering from disorientation. Um, fourth, you have wildly fluctuating emotions, something that psychiatrists call, will call being affectively labile. And then you woke up this morning and you forgot most, if not all, of that dream experience. So you're suffering from amnesia. <laughs> so experience any one of those five things when you're awake and you're seeking psychiatric treatment, so but during dreaming. Let me ask you this. Do, psych do psychotic people, when they sleep, do they just have like an eight-hour-long dream of them just like getting some coffee and that going? To <laughs> like, it's like it's it's almost in their psychotic people. It's like the brain has like reverse engineered wake and sleep. It's what's interesting, however, is that alcoholics. Um, alcohol is a fantastic way to suppress your REM sleep, to suppress your dreaming. Your brain is smart in that it keeps a clock counter of how much REM sleep you should have been having, despite you not being able to achieve it because of the alcohol. At some point, when it finally gets the chance to get that sleep because you stop drinking, for example, you get this huge rebound in terms of your REM sleep. The delirium trems that is a feature of alcoholic waking brain function is seems to be actually REM sleep bleeding over. It's almost as though the brain has had REM sleep suppressed for so long that at some point it just thinks, oh, bugger this. I'm just going to have REM sleep even though you're awake. And that's explaining the delirium terms. It's dreaming whilst the people are awake. So let me, how does this tie in with, um, <clears throat> how does this tie in with trauma? Because I've, I've, I've read a lot about like EMDR and things like that, that where, you know, things are sorted out during your sleep. I know, for instance, like a lot of a lot of soldiers get PTSD, and they think one of the huge reasons for that isn't seeing horrific shit. It's the complete sleep deprivation that they're suffering from. They can't organize it, so they can't know it's over. So, I mean, um, I don't think that's an MGM Lion thing. I think that's no, I'm serious. <laughs> it's not. It, it's literally. It, it's not. It's actually According good science. According to my Yahoo group, <laughs> <laughs> those uh, accurate people—they turn out to be actually accurate in this case. So REM sleep, coming back to it, seems to serve at least two functions. One of them in terms of memory is that it takes all of the information that you've recently been learning and then starts to bounce it around the attic of all of your memory stores from the past. It's almost like memory pinball, that you're taking that new piece of information and starting to bounce it around and test the links and the associations so that you're building what we call associative webs of information within the brain. Okay. And REM sleep seems to be a process that achieves that. It's this hyper-creative, hyper-associative memory processing stage. But REM sleep isn't just important for memory, it's important for emotion, and particularly emotional resolution. And what we've been finding is that after you experience sort of emotionally difficult things, particularly emotionally traumatic experiences, REM sleep will take those trauma memories and it will essentially divorce and strip away that strong visceral emotion from the memory that you experienced so that you come back the next day and yes, you can still remember what happened to you. It's not as though you've forgotten that awful sort of sure, sure. you know military trauma or that combat trauma. It's the difference is that you just feel better about it. It's almost as though REM sleep takes um, its soothing balm to that trauma memory and just sort of takes off the sharp, painful edges. It's almost as though you're detoxing emotional memories. Right. It's overnight therapy. That's what REM sleep seems to provide. So is there a possibility for future sleep therapy? 
that's exactly now what we're sort of trying to look at in PTSD patients is if we, we can... just whisper it to somebody's ear while they sleep. <laughs> shut well, up, shut up. The, the strange thing shut is Shut up, that... don't be afraid, you jerk. <laughs> shut up. And then they wake up and they see me and like, what the... F no. uh, who are you? Just wearing don't... a bathrobe and handing them keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from the fifth floor. Um, <laughs> So um, it, it sounds mad, but what we can actually even do during sleep now is we can try to reactivate memories that people experience during the day. And here's how we do it. When we have you learn information when you're awake, we will associate that information with particular sounds or smells. And then at night, for some of that information, we'll replay those same sounds or smells. We'll puff the smell back up your nose. <laughs> this weird face mask that you stuff on back up the Chanel goes up the nose. Or we sort of play these sounds and you react, you force the reactivation of those memories that you learn during the day. And you allow the brain during sleep to strengthen those memories even more deeply so that you come back the next day and you're 20 to 30% better able to recollect those memories. So this idea of going over and sort of whispering to people isn't as mad as it sounds. We do it in the experimental laboratory. So oh. you can totally, this is a technique for brainwashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This well, is made, you can make a perfect soldier. This is <laughs> the future. Uh, I'll take the fifth one. I'm not going <laughs> to No, you know what's weird is, is your whole job, if, if you weren't a doctor, is like, Fucking nuts! It's like Buffalo Bill shit that you're doing. Like we, and then we uh, then help we, me with that one. Then we, then we puff the smell back in her nose. And, <laughs> yeah, it reactivates it. Right. Yeah, ethically, people allow me to do this. this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so I think it's about time that we bring Kurt into this because I, do you like quizzes, Kurt? Love you quizzes. Fan of testing. Yeah, love them. Because we have a little segment we want to get into right now yeah. called uh, "How Smart Is Kurt." Kurt? Uh, huh? all right. It never made sense until we had him yeah. as a guest. Yeah, it's yeah. Been we've been doing it for years. <laughs> Looking at the audience, it still doesn't, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so all right, throw it in Matt Walker, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> get them off stage, please. All right, we're going to ask you some questions and see if you get them right. And if you don't, we've got someone right here who can correct you. Um, yes. Kurt, can a lack of sleep kill you? Yes. Why do you think that? Boom, nailed it. What? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I and read, and I, show your work. I read this J.G. Um, Ballard short story once where they, they figured out how like to make this guy who just didn't sleep anymore, and then he just went insane. I think you just go insane and then you die. <laughs> you or you, you go insane, you kill yourself. You go insane and then you die. Matt, Professor Matt Walker, is that... Uh... So, um, Pretty accurate. <laughs> I'll answer for you. <laughs> Next question. No, uh, <laughs> uh, he is absolutely correct in the first part of his answer. Uh, the, the, the Clive part, not so much. But uh, yes, um, you, you can die of lack of sleep. Rats will die as quickly of sleep deprivation as they will from food deprivation. It's that essential. So two weeks? Um, so yeah, about 11 days, they'll start, wow. to, uh, start to keel over. Because the... Andy and Jesse's house does have rats. We have had rats. So maybe we, if you just keep them awake for long enough. Yeah, yeah. just keep playing Barry Manilow. We do that in the lab a lot and uh, no yeah. sleep. Um, but the, you could ask, well, what's the evidence in humans? Surely it's unethical to keep people awake to the point that they die. And of course it is, but there is an unfortunate and very rare disorder that you can get. Uh, it's called fatal familial insomnia. You desperately don't want that diagnosis from your doctor. It's a genetically inherited disorder. And as the title suggests, you start to develop insomnia. It then becomes seriously chronic. After about six months, you look like a degenerative dementia patient, even though you're only about 40 or 50 years old. And then after about 12 to 18 months of no sleep, you die. 
So it is the only evidence that we have in humans, just like in rats, sleep is absolutely essential and you can die of a lack of sleep. Wow. I, I was really expecting you to be like, it's unethical to, to test on humans, but if you work at Berkeley and we have a military <laughs> yeah. contract like I do, we do it all the time. <laughs> oh, I have to say, though, actually talking about the military, there is a fascinating um, aspect. So there is only one species that we know of to date that for a short duration of time is not vulnerable to the effects of sleep deprivation. It's the white-crowned sparrow that I'm sure was, it's what you were all going to say back to me. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that during its migration phase, it doesn't suffer from sleep deprivation. Any time around that, when it's not in that migratory phase, it will suffer from sleep deprivation. As a consequence, the military, and particularly DARPA, the sort of the defense agency, the high reaches of it, they were fascinated. They poured millions of dollars into wow. trying to figure out why the white-crowned sparrow did not suffer during its migration period from the effects of sleep deprivation because they essentially wanted to create the 24-hour soldier. With wow. his posters in his bedroom saying, be a sparrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a t- like a sparrow, fight like a sparrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always don't sleep like a sparrow. Yeah. I've got the t shirt. It's great. Yeah. Is that so that's why like the Black Hawk helicopters fly in the V. Is to Because they're sparrows, yeah. Yeah, it's to yeah, keep, yeah. keep keep them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Kurt, question number two. Yeah. Are you dreaming when you're sleepwalking? I would Is one dreaming when one is sleepwalking? Um, yeah, I guess it's a waking dream. Is it, what is a waking dream? I got a lot of questions. <laughs> Am I dreaming when I sleepwalk? That's deep. What is a waking dream? Um, so you are not, it turns out. It's a, it's a misnomer. So, um, all sleepwalking, sleep talking, sleep eating, sleep texting, sleep sex, all of the, there are all of those things. Um, they're, there are a cluster of disorders called parasomnias. Uh, it comes from things around sleep, para meaning around somnus sleep. And what happens is you're in the deeper stages of non-dreaming sleep, what we call non-rapid eye movement sleep. And the brain seems to get ejected out of the deeper stages of sleep and tries to make it up to wakefulness. So it tries to go from the basement to the penthouse, but it gets stuck somewhere in between. Around the fifth floor. Around the fifth floor. (laughs) (laughs) And when that happens, you are stripped of all clothing. Uh, you are naked as the way that you came into this world. Now, um, and, um, and it's, so you're not dreaming. If you wake someone from a sleepwalking or sleep talking episode, they will never report having experienced anything mentally, uh, just prior to that point. The reason being is because they're not dreaming. They're in deep non-dreamless sleep. The brain waves that you see are still of deep sleep. It's just that the fact that the person seems to be performing waking activity. The waking activity they do perform is very basic. It's sort of routine, sort of basic reflexive behavior. You pick up a glass, you put it to your lips, you put it down, you go over to the refrigerator. Maybe you walk up some stairs in, in a hotel. Um, so really basic stuff like, like that. I feel like this is a good time for Jesse and I to talk about our roommates. Oh, uh, this I was about to say, sure. yeah. Is this out of line for us to get into? Sure, man. I think it's so a Jesse and I live together in, in a very strange living situation down in, uh, in the Valley, which is, has a reputation for being not the best part of Los Angeles. Right, right. Um, we live with two gentlemen in their 60s, uh, one of whom is, is a chronic... Sleepwalker uh, and he, sleep eater. He sleep eats naked. Naked. And but Jesse's because, a night owl, so you will be out. I'll be out. I'll see him. And he sleeps. He's. I mean, I guess because he sleeps naked, so thus sleepwalks and sleep eats naked. But the fact that we're saying that the 
things you do when sleepwalking are routine and sort of reflexive implies this guy has some major problems because <laughs> at one point you saw him asleep naked go to the refrigerator, pour himself a bowl of grated cheese. Melt it. Put it in the microwave. Put it in the microwave. Melt it. Grab a spoon. Grab a spoon, eat it, and then throw the, whole, throw the dishes throw away. Throw it all in the trash. Throw, throw it all in the trash. The trash. <laughs> and I came out after this happened. You told me the story. I said, you're lying to me. Go look in the trash, Andy. Sure enough, yeah. there's a bowl with a little bit of grated cheese left in the bottom. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, this guy, his name's Oh, no, God, no. Now, We're editing that out. That's getting mind. cut out of this episode. Bear in mind, of course. Um, <laughs> bear in mind, full name address. <laughs> yeah. Blue Bell Lane. <laughs> it is, actually. Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, it's our roommate, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bleep that. I'm sorry. So we'll, what is let's that? just bleep it. Bleeps, for, bleeps are funny. I mean, he also doesn't uh, have his teeth in, and sometimes he'll be putting food well, that the thing. are more That's He has gummy. to wear dentures, so his dentures are out at night. So it's very, uh, it's, it's. Haven't brutal. you seen him also like eating like octopus? Well, he has having he the tentacles at, hanging out yeah, of his he mouth. He shops but, at Whole Foods, so he'll buy okay. like octopus uh, salads. So he'll have oh, sort of Cthulhu sorry. mouth when I come home. The <laughs> <laughs> Zoidberg action going on. There. Yeah. So what? But but uh, I guess our question is he. So he he works at a store. He does retail, and then he comes home and he he smokes a ton of pot, and then just eats, and then smokes more pot, and then goes to bed. Is anything he's doing aiding? To, could anyone be a sleepwalker if they lived a lifestyle that made them one? Or does is it, retail make sleepwalkers? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Does marijuana make you a sleepwalker? Does I mean it? I would like to There's think. Someone it's, says cheese over there as well. Yeah. Is yeah. there any truth? Tr is there any truth in cheese influencing dreams? Has that actually been? Research, or is that entirely a myth? You must be a bit of mustard or some cheese I had before sleep. We're talking about uh. Christmas? Dickens? <laughs> no? Okay. Christmas Carol. Yes, yes. Yeah. This lady Christmas and I are Carol. like yeah. on the level. Yeah. She knows exactly what I'm talking about every time I open my mouth. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Do you guys know what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Sorry. So many questions. So my suspicion is that the gentleman that you're talking about, no name included, no. Um, is, has probably been a sleepwalker, a sleep talker all of his life. Okay. Um, certainly staying up late and having erratic sleep patterns, marijuana can assist in having erratic sleep and yeah, as everyone starts to take a deep interest in their feet not me not, I don't do that um, so those things can certainly fragment your sleep they can create this pressure for deep sleep so that the next night when you're going to sleep you're having more deep sleep which increases the propensity and the likelihood that you will have these sleepwalking events if you are a sleepwalker um, so the types of things that he's doing are not necessarily unusual for sleepwalkers and sleep talkers um, some people have actually um, driven 30 or 40 miles uh, in a car barefoot. They've navigated traffic lights. In fact, people have actually murdered uh, other people sleepwalking. There's a famous case. It's now been called homicidal somnambulism. Um, wow. So basically sleepwalking, sleep driving, and then sleep murdering. Uh, and and wow. they were acquitted of murder. Uh, it's a famous case, a guy called Ken Parks. He lived in Toronto. He's still alive now. And he um, he woke up one night, woke up, quote unquote, because he was still asleep, apparently. And he drove about 40 miles through about nine sets of traffic lights. He walked into his mother and father-in-law's home, got a kitchen knife, went upstairs, strangled his father-in-law unconscious, and then uh, he stabbed to death his mother-in-law. Then he drove all the way back and almost to the point where he was at his home, he then started to come around. He looked at his hands. His hands were covered in blood. He drove straight to a police station, walked in, and he said, I, I think I've hurt some people. I think I may have killed some people. 
At that point, he realized that his hands were desperately severed. All of the flexor tendons in his arms and uh, his hands had been severed. So he was rushed to hospital for emergency surgery. But ultimately, he was acquitted. And uh, the jury believed that he was at that point sleepwalking. So a happy um, ending. He was not culpable. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> happy ending. So it's it's Professor Feelgood, Matthew right? Walker. <laughs> There's like Sorry about that. Classic 50s mother-in-law joke in there. <laughs> yeah. Sub Lockhart style. So yeah, yeah. Super pumped. We live with that guy. It's yeah. Awesome. So good luck. Uh, uh, I would start looking on the classifieds <laughs> as soon as you can in terms of a new apartment. <laughs> That's great. Wake up, he's urinable. He's trying to microwave you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I, I would recommend full body Kevlar tonight in terms of pajamas. Wow. Terrifying. <laughs> now, uh, aren't, aren't there things like, um, he does sleep with a TV on. Um, and I have heard things like screens, a lot of any sort of stimulation like that. I don't know what I'm talking about ever, but um, I've heard that, <laughs> that for people that do sleepwalk, it is best to not have any of that going on before sleep for at least like an hour. Absolutely. So trying to reduce the amount of stimulation pre-sleep and then during sleep, trying to have a quiet environment that's not going to be disrupted because any external environmental cues like a television mm, can kind of trigger the brain to sort of get <laughs> <laughs> external cues. Yeah. Sometimes it's 11 p.m. We want to play guitar. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to be on trial when this guy murders I know, somebody. I know. Like it's I know. No, 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 you guys will be dead. Please. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. We will be dead. That's a very good point. Uh, Kurt, you got a time for another couple questions? <laughs> yeah, I got time. You got time? Yeah, All right. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're on stage here. Excellent. Uh, at what age do you start to lose your deep sleep? Do you think it's in your 30s, your 40s, or your 50s? Oh, God. It sounds so sad. Right? I'm going to say it's 30s, 40s, or 50s. Or 50s. Those are my choices. Mm -hmm. 50s. Uh, sadly, it's 20 years before that. So even at age 30, we can start to see the quality of your deep sleep deteriorating. Um, by the time you're 50, you've lost about 50% of it relative to when you were a young 20-year-old. that's why you stop having such great memory? That's indeed the case. Um, in fact, by the time you're 70, you've only got about 5% of it left. And about three months ago, we published the first evidence to find or to uh, offer a link between those two that as you get old, your sleep gets worse. And as you get old, your memory gets worse. And those two things have been independently recognized, but never put together. And we finally did the study. And uh, a couple of months ago, we published that evidence. And that, in fact, is the case. It is wow. a contributing factor to what we call cognitive decline as you get older. Just more proof that we should stay unconscious for this shit show of an existence <laughs> that is the world that's the spirit god well, there you Fucking go assholes it's positive psychology world. world's best father kurt Bronner, everybody yeah. <laughs> sleep tight kids <laughs> kurt okay. to break the guinness world record for the longest time spent without sleep you would have to stay awake for is it six days eight days or 12 days i'm gonna say 12 days because they're going to push it right up to death. <laughs> Those Guinness people don't For care. Guinness, they don't give a shit, man. Have you seen how many like tigers they can juggle? <laughs> I would think one would get you the record. Yeah, one, probably. Yeah. Um, so it turns it's a out... Big, big accident with the trainer last time that happened. <laughs> <laughs> <Heard about him. laughs> That's actually true. That's actually true. <laughs> Juggling, really. Um, so it turns out that it's a bit of a trick question. Um, so the Guinness book has actually uh, stopped recognizing attempts to break the world record for sleep deprivation because they have deemed it so detrimental to biological health that they have. So this is a, an organization that will 
sort of still recognize people going up to sort of the outer stratospheres of our sort of <laughs> atmosphere, going almost to space and then jumping out of a hot air balloon to try and break, you know, right. the sort of descending uh They'll even speed tolerate record. fat twins on motorcycles. Right. Uh, or yeah. juggling... Uh, sort of wild animals, apparently. But however, they deem sleep deprivation to be so dangerous that they will no longer recognize it. But the the current record is about 11 and a half days, the unofficial quote-unquote record. So you actually are right. If you yes. went 12, you would uh, you would take that unofficial record. Nice work, Kurt. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And then you'd ace that exam. <laughs> Aced it. Wow. We have uh, w- we have two quick questions from our listeners we wanted to ask you before we get to an audience Q&A that we can take some questions. Which, from by the way, we here. should have said this a little bit at let go, but if you guys have any questions you'd like to put uh, oh, yeah, to Matt, a, we've, got a little mi- we've got a microphone got a mic there, and a few, in a few minutes we'll be taking some questions. So have a little think about sleep questions that you'd like the professor to answer. Yep. Um, so we have one listener uh, with the Twitter handle, Zach Cody, who asked, why do some of us rarely remember dreams? He gets a fragment once every few months, but that's about it. Yes, so um, there's debate now as to whether dreams are actually important to consciously remember. However, it may be that your brain is still storing all of that dream experience. You just simply don't have access to those nevertheless available memories. So it's actually not quite clear as to whether you simply can't You've lost the IP address to that dream memory, but the dream memory is still there, fully recorded, and could still be influencing your behavior. But for the most part, it seems to be that there's a region right in the front of your brain um, called the frontal cortex, and particularly the left and right side of your frontal cortex, that is strongly deactivated during REM sleep. But it's a critical part of the brain to help you save memories. So one possibility, if we aren't saving memories of our dream life, is simply because one of the parts of our brain that helps us hit the save button is sort of impaired in its activity during dream sleep. And that's why you don't remember much. I have a question for you. Does it, is the, uh, it, are the electrochemical signals in the brain uh, that happen what, when you have an experience and then make that experience a memory, are they the same across all brains? Meaning, if every, five different people eat beef stroganoff, does the exact same places light up? And if so, then can we give people fake memories and make them think they did things that they didn't do? And are you doing that with the military? <laughs> <laughs> So just to recap in a slightly fuller form, uh, beef stroganoff, fake memories, military. Yeah. Um, got it. So I, um, yes, the, the anatomy of memory as it is and the neurochemistry of memory is common across most individuals. We tend to form memories in the same parts of our brain using the same brain chemicals. Um, does that mean that you can implant memories? Not necessarily. We don't yet have devices where we can sort of insert those memories. Um, you can, there are ways that you can sort of um, give people false memories or make them believe that they've um, experienced something when they actually haven't. But whether we could actually place real memories within the brain experimentally, artificially, uh, we don't have that technology yet can as soon do, as we do. Can you do the opposite? Can you wipe memories? Uh, you actually can wipe memories. There is now some evidence that manipulates uh, memories. So every time you recollect a memory, uh, you sort of remember something, it returns that memory back from being sort of almost on the hard drive in a safe, saved uh, sort of format. It brings it back into a vulnerable um, not yet saved format all over again, just like a Word document where if someone were to sort of hit the delete key or highlight all and hit delete when you open back up that Word file, um, it, all of it could be lost. 
So what people have been finding is that when you recall a memory, when you reactivate it, you can then try to interfere with it or overwrite it with new information and essentially delete it and take it away. So it's almost like that eternal sunshine, spotless mind thing. But I remember hearing something about that technique being again being used for post-traumatic stress. Exactly. So therapeutically, it's advantageous in that context, where if people are having sort of trauma memories, you can actually go in there, have them recollect and go over that trauma memory and do one of two things. Either try to overwrite it completely by giving them drugs that block the resaving button. It's sort of as though you're preventing the mouse from hitting the save button once you've brought it back to mind. Um, Or what you can try to do is by bringing the file back up on the screen, as it were, you can then start to associate it with different things, positive things rather than negative things. So you still hold on to the memory, but you change the emotional tone of the memory from one that's negative to one that's positive, if that makes some sense. Instead of watching your kid die, like, you got a bunch of flowers that day. (laughs) (laughs) Would be the extreme version of it, correct. (laughs) They were all, for some reason, attached to that fence by the road. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody died. You got this. There's a theoretical um, thing. I, I, have a, I have a quick question. I've always wondered about sleeping. Is um, you know, uh, like there's all those videos on YouTube of uh, like puppies falling asleep, kittens falling asleep. I think they're very comforting for people to watch. And um, and them dreaming, you mean, or like where they're moving? Is no, that... but even just falling asleep. And I think it it's the thing that strikes me about it. I was trying to figure out why I find it so comforting. I think the thing that strikes me about it is the fact that they're not trying to sleep like when we go to sleep we lay down i'm like i'm in bed i'm gonna close my eyelids now and then hopefully force this fucking sleep on but but most animals like when you watch them fall asleep it's like they're blacking out every time they just have to be asleep so i was wondering are there any other species of animal that try to force sleep that way like it's eight o'clock it's time to do this or do they just, like, have to do it? I, I just totally gave away how boring I am, by the way. Um, it's no, eight, it's no, it's, eight it's, 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 it's an excellent it's question. About... That human beings seem to be, A, um, one of the species that tries to uh, regularize their sleep to some specific pattern, some artificial sort of schedule that is not necessarily what biologically they need to do at any one moment in time. Um, human beings are also one of the few species that will deliberately deprive themselves of sleep. Every other species that we know of won't undergo that with the, uh, with a few exceptions. So, um, the, the few exceptions are migrating birds, in fact. Um, so they will go through periods where they have to do 3,000 miles transoceanographic flight within three weeks. And during those times, they will significantly reduce the amount of sleep that they have. They will have power naps. They last for about three to six seconds, and then they pick back up again. Also, birds and dolphins uh, can achieve what we call unihemispheric sleep, which means that one half of their brain will go to sleep whilst the other remains awake and maintains vital functions and alertness. But, they, so, but then they're just going in circles when they wake up. Right? <laughs> yeah, you just see a dolphin that's just basically done a six-mile round yeah, circuit track. Uh, um, no, they eventually get there because it's like this, sleep, this one sleeps and then this one sleeps. <laughs> Sure. So, and you've got one last one. One more quick one from a, a listener before we go to the audience. Um, this is from a listener named Lenore. She was wondering about the connection between sleep and neurologic conditions uh, and if they're able to use sleep for any types of therapy. She has epilepsy, and one of her triggers is supposed to be a lack of sleep. She wanted to know if there's a connection. 
Yeah, so a lack of sleep will increase what we call the excite the excitability of brain circuits, mm-hmm. and of course, epilepsy. Um, the fundamental basis there is that you have excess excitability within specific parts of the brain, and hence you trigger what's called a seizure and a generalized seizure. So sleep deprivation will heighten the likelihood of those brain cells starting to get too excited and start firing away. And one downstream consequence of that is, of course, increased likelihood of seizures. Um, there are many other neurological and psychiatric disorders that suffer from sleep problems. In fact, there is not one psychiatric disorder that we have yet found that doesn't display abnormalities of sleep. It's no big surprise that we're now finding that sleep is critical for your emotional and mental health. I think sleep has a huge story to play in the treatment of psychiatric disorders. Um, we're only now starting to understand the functions of sleep in sort of healthy people and what sleep does. So we're probably sort of 10 to 15 years away from then translating that basic science into therapeutic context to try and help people with neurological conditions and psychiatric conditions. Oh, excellent. How many people have you watched sleep? <laughs> I mean, I don't really count, but it's 1,237. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, All right. It's, um, but sometimes I'm, I'm only at 1,100. <laughs> Yeah. What have you been doing all your life? Come on now. Uh, <laughs> napping. Uh, so uh, should we throw to the audience? Do any, uh, there's a microphone right there that uh, it's connected. Do any audience members have a question that they'd like to pitch? Uh, gentleman over yeah, there. No. Oh. Sorry. Oh, no, over. we can. Sorry. Just so we can get on the recording if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Or we could repeat your question if it's a quick we can one. Repeat, yeah, true. we could repeat your I mean, question if you as hate, well. If he gets on the mic, he's like, <laughs> my question is... <laughs> Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I have two questions. One is, I think everybody understands the general idea of sleep. From scientifically, is there a discrete definition of sleep? Like your brainwave patterns go down in certain parts, and like that is sleep. And second, as you get older, your you know your sleep quality goes down or something. You think, well, maybe you could just add some drugs in there to get it back up. However, at the same time, with a lot of sleep aids, it seems like over a certain amount of time, you get addicted, so it's almost like your body's going, oh, I don't want any AIDS to help sleep. You're just screwed. So those, those are it. So the first question, <laughs> there is a, um, a gold standard uh, scientifically accepted uh, measurement and definition of sleep. It, the definition is physiological, so we place electrodes on the brain, over the face, and, and the rest mm. of the body. And by using multiple signals, both the muscle activity, the eye activity, and the brainwave activity, we can definitively, quote-unquote, define the appearance of sleep, and not just the appearance of sleep, but we can segregate the different types of sleep. Um, so yes, there is a, a definition, a gold standard definition. It becomes tricky as sort of you go down lower in sort of species uh, domains. It's hard to get those electrodes on things like insects. So we have to use other measures for those not as well accepted measures. But there are a few different definitional uh, qualities. By the way, you all do that. Uh, assessment of sleep effortlessly. You know, you walk into a room late at night um, with your friend and you're chatting away and you'll see someone else sort of lying on the couch and you'll all say sort of, shh, you know, Sarah's sleeping. So you've all just made that objective definition of sleep because there's a behavioral posture that goes with sleep. And we also use that. I mean, why didn't you instead assume that Sarah was dead? And the reason is because one of the properties of sleep behaviorally that defines it from death is that it's reversible. So there's a whole slew of different that you hope, right? You know. Um, so then, then why do we say my phone died? 
Uh, <laughs> it's gone from ask a scientist to stump a scientist. <laughs> well, like we should say it's sleeping, right? I don't know, man. Uh, we just—I mean, it seems very negative of us. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back to life. But the second question, sorry. Which, <laughs> yeah, I try. But the second question, which is about um, sleep as we get older. Um, yeah, you're right. You could say, well, can't you just give them some drugs to help out with that? The problem right now is that we don't have any good drugs that naturalistically mimic or help you produce naturalistic sleep. Um, weed. Uh, no, bad idea. It turns out that weed is a pretty good way to um, lose consciousness. And I choose my words very carefully. You're not initiating sleep. Um, you're simply sedating yourself. It's the same thing with alcohol. Alcohol doesn't induce sleep. You're just putting yourself into sedation. Uh, I, sometimes, um, I sometimes take melatonin tablets because someone told me they're good for getting over jet lag. Is that true? Uh, it is. It depends on where you buy them and what the quality is. But melatonin is a naturally occurring hormone uh, in everyone. It uh, is usually released at night. And it helps your brain and your body realize that it's nighttime and it's linked to the light-dark cycle. Um, when you are experiencing jet lag, your body clock is out of synchrony with the real clock in the new time zone. By taking melatonin, you can try and essentially pop the little dial out of the wristwatch and help wind it on faster to the new time zone using melatonin. That's the So that the is same a legitimate way. So it, it, me melatonin is legitimate to help you synchronize your wake-sleep rhythms. However, melatonin doesn't seem to help you get any better quality of sleep once you've initiated it. Right. And it's the same way with these medications too. The older sleep medications, what we call the sedative hypnotics, they literally would just sedate you. What If you looked at the brainwave patterns, it was impossible to describe it as naturalistic sleep. You were just not awake. You were sedated. The newer medications, and I won't name them for fear of being prosecuted for what I'm all about to say, is, um, is that they... They can help you produce um, slightly more normal REM and non-REM sleep. The problem is that they will commonly keep you out of the deeper stages of non-rapid eye movement sleep or non-dreaming sleep. The problem with that is that it's just that type of sleep that helps you cement new memories and hold on to new information. Have we not done the studies to figure out that that actually is the case? And the answer is no, in part because the National Institutes of Health they don't think it's their responsibility to put the money to fund those studies because it should be the drug companies. The drug companies, perhaps is my suspicion, they're fearful to do those studies because they know what the outcome would be and nobody wants on your label. You will sleep eight hours and you will wake up feeling utterly well-rested. You'll just not remember anything of yesterday. <laughs> you know, Nobody wants that as a counterindication on their label. So right now, we're not at an advanced level in terms of pharmacology. The only hope we have in older people is electrically stimulating their brain. And that's one of the things that we're going to be doing. We're going to try and juice their brain up to try and sort of produce these nice deep brain waves you're um, fucking sounds, weird man <laughs> um, you are not the first person nor will you be the last person to make that conclusion uh, I am and I accept it uh, look at what I do for a living um, but uh, it's no, not no, one no. flew over the cuckoo's nest type stuff it's, it's a very small voltage but don't do that at home car battery stuff that's not what you sure, sure. I have a question is um, were you earlier you were talking about a metaphor for uh, memory and you're talking about it as a computer 
Is a computer a good metaphor for talking about how memories are formed, or is there another metaphor that is is that that can help us understand it better? No, it's actually quite a good metaphor, um, both in terms of a hard drive and I guess the other thing I would use is a USB stick. So there is a part of your brain called the hippocampus, which is very much like a USB stick. It's very good at quickly grabbing hold of information from lots of different sources. However, just like a USB stick, it has a limited storage capacity. And then at night, what seems to happen is that the USB stick, the structure that we call the hippocampus, it will then hand off its reservoir of information from the previous day and put it onto the hard drive of your brain. And the hard drive of your brain is this wrinkled, huge, massive tissue on the top called the cortex. And it's that dialogue that happens at night, and it does happen during sleep, where the hippocampus USB stick essentially sort of like a gondola ski lift that's actually not a good analogy but um sort of it is, it direct, is it a direct is it a direct transfer or is there an inter interpretation there is the hippocampus almost talking and then the some of the kind of cortex is like oh i guess okay it's a sausage oh, it's like a hot dog and then like they kind of get it wrong a little bit <laughs> so no it's not actually as mad as you think and that's okay. what we think the two stages of sleep are doing firstly during deep sleep the hippocampus is replaying in this sort of therapy session um, it's information from the previous day up to the cortex and the cortex is just taking that information sausage so there's no in this translation case. so there's no sort of assimilation translation however that's during deep non-rem sleep during rem sleep which always comes after deep non-rem sleep we then think the assimilation starts to happen that's one of the other functions of rem sleep you're starting to take that information and test how that information could be morphed associated connected Maybe you can start to build these sort of abstracted views of how the world is working based on these interconnected associations. That's what REM sleep is all about, we think. And perhaps no big surprise, if you were to imagine what a conscious experience would be like of the process that I'm describing, that sort of bouncing around associative memory processing, kind of wacky a bit sort of out there, it would be, I guess, very much like dreaming wacky, bizarre, irrational, strange. That's exactly what dreams are all about. And I think it's just simply the reflection of the brain doing this creative information processing. Wow. You guys, I, uh, I hate to interrupt things, but oh. I just got a text. So we're here at SF Sketchfest, which is this three-week-long extravaganza with a lot of, of great shows. Yeah. And there are a lot of, lot of uh, heavy hitters in town for this. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of big celebs. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes people just want to drop in on shows. I just got a text. Is it okay? If we, do you guys mind if we welcome someone else to the stage? Because we're very lucky to have... Mark Wahlberg is here. Mark Wahlberg, everybody. Mark Wahlberg is here. Holy shit, I oh, love Mark fuck, Wahlberg. There he is. Yeah. Wow. Come on up, Mark. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Please Wahlberg, put your hands Mark Wahlberg, star of the silver screen, Mark Wahlberg. Wow. <laughs> hey, Mark. Need to switch hey. mics. What's going on, guys? We just fucking start? What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about science. Are you a fan of science? Did you come here to talk about science? Fuck yeah, I'm a fan. This up? <laughs> Dude, what's happening here? None of them now. I'll fight somebody. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Jesus. I'm talking to this. What if it goes out while I'm talking? That's a fucking sign. It's not going to go out. Uh, yeah, I've been in fucking science. I I'm into that shit. Uh, Transformers 4. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yes. robots. You're the uh, star of that. That's like a Mark oh, Wahlberg fuck yeah, yeah. That I'm the fucking Shia in that fucking movie. <laughs> There's no more Shia? Mm -mm. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, uh, The Happening? I played a fucking math teacher in that movie. Yeah. Oh, no that's shit. sort of science-y. Fucking science, bro. That's where the wind is, the, the grass and stuff's attacking? Yeah. It's fucked up. 
So I assumed you, you wanted to come here because you had some questions about sleep for Professor Walker, I'm assuming. Right? Uh, I'm pretty much right? just promoting Wahlburgers. You guys should fucking check it out. <laughs> um, so Wahlburgers is just uh, you eating burgers, right? Uh, Wahlburgers is just a, a way to get my fucking poor-ass poor family paid, is what that fucking <laughs> is. I'm like, here, you guys, this is your job now. You make fucking food. <laughs> and we'll tape it, and I produce it, just like I do Boardwalk Good Time. <laughs> uh, what about good time? I do have a fucking question about sleep, though. We, was that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. That's the topic. Uh, sometimes, like, I fucking wake up, but I can't move. And I'm like, fuck this shit, bro. <laughs> but I'm so fucking strong, I'll be like, one, two, in my fucking head. Like, I think it, but not out loud. And I'm like, one, two, three. Fucking wake up, bro. I could fight. I could do anything after that. What's wow. that all about? <laughs> What's the deal with that? I know exactly what that's about. So it turns out that when you go into dream sleep, which is what the, the stage that you're in, mm -hmm. your brain paralyzes your body so you don't act out your dream. All of you are paralyzed when you go into REM sleep. And normally when you, when your brain terminates REM sleep, the paralysis within your body is also terminated. However, there are a few occasional circumstances where your brain will start to come out of dream sleep, but will almost sort of forget to release the paralysis within the body. So as a consequence, you're starting to sort of wake up, but all of the voluntary muscles, what we call the voluntary skeletal muscles, um, not the breathing, that's all involuntary, otherwise you'd be dead very quickly and sleep would be a very bad idea, but um, the, the voluntary muscles, they, are, they remain in the paralysis. So you're starting to become aware of the outside world, but you can't lift your eyelids, voluntary muscles, you can't shout out, you can't move unless you're Mark Wahlberg and you've got the strength to. Okay. Very few people. Tee it up, bro, just good. tee it up. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so so that paralysis, um, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, many people experience it. It's not pathological. It's about as common as hiccups. About 25% of the population will experience it. Um, it turns out to be the principal explanation we now believe for the majority of alien abductions. <laughs> So when was the I last time? I fucking knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew those people were liars. <laughs> this is like a Hollywood movie idea. Ever nobody ever gets abducted during the day. Well, that's the point. Is that when was that? the right? When so was the last? Nobody's ever like I was in a paralyzed. park. Yeah, right. Pe yeah, people are like, oh no, I was in my twin bed on my farm. And right. I got fucking abducted. <laughs> so when was the last time that you ever heard of sort of you know you were in a boardroom meeting? It was two p.m. in the afternoon, and then whoosh! What was that? Jeez, that was Jimmy. I believe he was just abducted by aliens. I mean, that never happens because it's always at night. Um, people will often report this sense of a presence being in the room. And this often accompanies the, the REM sleep paralysis. You're paralyzed by some kind of agent. You can't cry out. You can't move. They've strapped you down. Um, you try to fight, but it's ineffective because your legs and limbs aren't working. Um, it seems to be the best explanation we have for those alien abductions. Where does the, par the paralysis originates in the uh, spine? The paralysis originates in the brainstem. So the brainstem is where your uh, sleep rhythms and sleep stages are all regulated. 
those signals will go upstairs into your cortex and play out in your brain, but they will also go downstairs south of the neck and play out in the body. So it's actually the brainstem that sends a signal down into the spinal cord onto what we call the alpha motor neurons of your spinal cord, which are those that control your voluntary muscles, and that's where the paralysis takes they place. Block, they just block it. They from... block the, 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 any of those motor commands, and there are lots of motor commands happening during REM sleep, but you never act out those, with the exception of one other disorder called REM sleep behavioral disorder. And that, unfortunately, this mechanism that we're speaking about deteriorates, and as a consequence, you do actually act out your dreams, and people have also woken up to find that they have murdered their spouse uh, in their dream. Or I mean, beat imagine that. Beat so do do dogs <laughs> not have that? So dogs also have the same paralysis mechanism. Dogs also, however, just like humans, will suffer the deterioration of that same brainstem mechanism. So if you've ever seen sort of dogs starting to act out their dreams, I'm not talking about sort of the twitches. All of us have those twitches. Um, it's the full enactment of those. Like exactly. running and yeah. barking. Exactly. Yeah, 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 getting up, running into walls. There's YouTube videos like that. Yeah. That they t It tends to be in older dogs because it's a deterioration mechanism. It's more common in males than in females. It starts to happen 40s, 50s. Um, and yeah, REM sleep behavioral disorder. Sometimes I fucking, I'll wake up. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like push, fucking pushing like 220. <laughs> You're in the middle of uh, pumping weights. And I'm like, this is fucking perfect. <laughs> if I could get in like two, three good workouts and I'm fucking napping, that'd be fucking the best. <laughs> also, one other thing. Uh, you're going to ask me if I ever did science? Oh, I was going to ask you when you were like before your Marky Mark days, you did some, you did some time and it's kind of when you got. No, well, the most science I've ever done. Was with the Funky Bunch. Uh, yeah. Well, I bought everybody magnifying glasses and we would just start fires around Dorchester, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's fucking science, right? That yeah. is science, yeah. The fucking sun did it. Should we throw to, <laughs> should we throw to there, were, there were at least another couple of audience questions as well. For, yeah, any no, questions for Mark Wahlberg? Anything for Mark Wahlberg? You want to ask Mark Wahlberg Obviously questions for Mark Wahlberg also. We'll come, this lady and then, and then this guy you were up at the beginning. Um, oh, okay. I've only had sleep par paralysis once, and my friend had it at the same time, and it was a stressful time. Is there any link between sleep paralysis and experience stress in your daytime life? Yes, yeah, so I'll repeat the question because I think the, the mic gave up, but um, is stress related to the instance of um, the sleep paralysis? And there does seem to be a degree of a link um, to that. Uh, it, we don't fully understand the mechanisms right now, but there does seem to be an association between sort of anxiety or anxious related sort of issues coming up in life and sleep disorders in general, but including the sleep paralysis component. Yeah. But it can also happen, obviously, outside of the context of I, stress, too. I have a question. Why are there so many British people here? <laughs> <laughs> because it's science. They're smarter than us. Uh, We're coming back to reclaim what was ours. No. Uh, fucking A, you ain't. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I fought robots. I can fight fucking British people. I feel like it's because British accents make you sound smarter. Yeah. yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, counting sheep. This is like a common way to fall asleep, but I was reading something about how it's bullshit. Is that true? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a what a journalistic article. <laughs> counting sleep sheep. Bullshit. <laughs> right. New York Times. Hey, counting sheep is wrote, fucking retarded. I wrote that fucking article. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. 
So, so there isn't uh, particularly strong scientific evidence favoring this idea of counting sheep jumping over things. Um, there are lots of ways to help initiate sleep, healthy ways, non-pharmacological ways. Um, counting sheep doesn't seem to be one of those. Uh, you probably all know the things that do. So trying to cut out caffeine, having a comfortable bedroom environment, having a cold bedroom is better, it turns out. Now, this is sort of paradoxical to most people. Um, it's, it's the reason that, so let me back up. Your body needs to drop about one degree Celsius in terms of its core temperature to initiate sleep. If you can't drop that, it's very difficult to get to sleep. It's the reason as a consequence, it's far easier to fall asleep in a room that's too cold than a room that's too hot. And so having a room that's around about 58 degrees, sort of 60 degrees, which sounds very, very cold, but that seems to be about the optimal for initiating sleep. So there's lots of things to try and help with your sleep, but counting sheep doesn't seem to be one of them. I have a question. Mm. This used to happen to me all the time in New York City. I would get onto the train and I would have like my bag with me and I would sit with my bag and then I would fall asleep on the train. Um, but when, every time I woke up, I would be sweating profusely. Was that my body trying to cool myself down to reach that, or why would I always be sweating? So the answer is no, it, it's not. It's that your um, what's called the autonomic nervous system. So part of your nervous system uh, controls all of the basic regulatory functions like your heart rate, like your perspiration, like your digestion. That nervous system seems to go haywire during rapid eye movement sleep, during dream sleep. Again, we don't fully understand why. Um, Throughout the night, you don't have an even mix of non-REM and REM sleep. You get the majority of your deep non-REM sleep in the first half of the night, and then you get the majority of your rapid eye movement dream sleep in the second half of the night. Your brain seems to have a different preferential hunger for these two types of sleep. So the reason that you're experiencing this late in the morning is because your brain is still in the phase of being hungry for REM sleep. So my suspicion is that the majority of sleep that you're having during that sort of early morning period when you're on the train is rapid eye movement sleep. And because you're in rapid eye movement sleep, you go into that sort of dysregulated state. It's often the reason why you'll have those sort of night sweats or you'll just sort of wake up early morning drenched in sweat in a way that you won't wake up in the first two hours of sleep drenched in sweat because you're just not coming out of the stage of sleep where that nervous system dysregulation happens. Um, I got a... Uh, an iPhone app a while ago that I've stopped using because it seemed like it was nonsense. But it, you put it next to your bed and it monitors the movement during sleep and then it tries to wake you up at a time that is most beneficial. Is that actually, is there any truth to that or is it entire, is it MGM Lion? Take mine. <laughs> Am I back? I'm back. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> he's, he's arrived. So, um, it's not entirely um, bollocks, as we would say. It the the iPhones will use or different phones they will use the accel accelerometer in the phone uh -huh. to assess what's happening in your mattress with you on top of it. This comes back to the paralysis during REM sleep. People have been smart; they've realized that during non-dreaming sleep, you're often moving around, making small postural shifts. But when you go into REM sleep, mattress becomes silent because you you've been paralyzed. Right. So it uses the accelerometer, uh, uh, that thing, <laughs> it uses the accelerometer. It's British to, Yeah, I know. And I've only been drinking water, honestly. The wiggly meter. Uh, uh, the wiggly meter it uses. And uh, so there are, it, it has a degree of sensitivity to, to non-REM and REM sleep. It's not entirely accurate, though. So there, there's certainly a lot of argument as to, to the specificity and sensitivity of, of, of those devices. But it's not far off. It's not too bad. 
I've got a quick question. I've got a lot of friends who enjoy partaking in drugs. And uh, obviously, <laughs> a lot of them have a lot of theories about things. Um, there's a drug. There's a drug that's getting pretty hot these days. I've never tried it called DMT. Have you heard much about this? Or, yeah, I, I I know of it. Yeah. And I've I've read articles on suspect websites that say that uh, it's this drug that um, it's it's produced in your brain during dreams, and then it also might be uh, it might come out in large doses at the point of death, and it slows time. And it uh, induces hallucinations. Like, is there does DMT play? <laughs> does it play a role in dreams? And does it does it have that time stretching effect? Is it possible that it's it's the reason that we might experience heaven at death because we stretch time indefinitely at that point of death? That's the theory. Right. Snopes it. I don't know. So there's no good evidence. You guys that ever Google Tower Seven? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's fucked up, dude. Y'all ever look at a dollar bill real close? <laughs> Why is that pyramid even on there, man? What's fucking Illuminati, dude? Dude, you think heaven is just like a drug slowing your fucking brain down, dog? <laughs> so, Professor Walker. So, Professor Walker, yes, we're throwing tea on this. Okay. And I'm back again. Um, so, this we don't have uh, good evidence right now that uh, it's a principal player in the construction of REM sleep dreaming. Mm. We know what the chemicals are. The principal chemical that controls dreaming is a chemical called acetylcholine. Let's get some of that. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> juice me up. So um, there are other neurochemicals uh, that control non-dreaming sleep. They are suppressed. And then this other chemical, acetylcholine, ramps up. That's the thing that seems to uh, change and alter and, and initiate and maintain your rapid eye movement sleep. Um, it, it can be modulated. Things like mescaline are powerful modulators of acetylcholine. It's probably the reason that you have such wacky experiences um, when you're on that. Sorry, when other people are on that uh, <laughs> drug. <laughs> and that's how everybody explains. I've been having some yeah, my wacky experiences <laughs> on this mescaline trip. So this fucking Senate professor from UC Berkeley. <laughs> this fucking workout, guys. Fucking and subsequently high. lost his job one week later after okay. a podcast. Okay, I've got. Here's another theory that uh, this is something that someone told me. Uh, and again, I should preface this: this was at 2 a.m. at a party, and he was a goth. And. Uh, <laughs> So this is the kind of theory that a goth tells you at 2 a.m. But he said, uh, and some of it you sort of, some of it is backed up by what you've said so far tonight. Because he was talking about how he said a dream is when the process of writing short-term memory into long-term memory gets interrupted. But what he claimed was the case was that the images that are in your brain at that moment, sort of that freeze frame of like, if you wake up, stop. These are all the different images that are in there. Your brain then reconstructs an entire dream in your head at that moment as if it had already been happening for the previous 15 minutes. So it's like it gives you both the immediate and also in that second it constructs the memory of the of the story that's happened to that point. Is there any truth in that or is that something that just someone tells you at 2 a.m. at a party? <laughs> so good question, I think, but... No, no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm saying I think... We're both I, I get the subtext <laughs> of that. <laughs> so it, there, are, there is one current theory... Um, regarding dreaming, which is that there is no such thing as dreaming. That simply there is a burst of brain activation that's happening to trigger you to wake up. 
And then what your brain simply does is then reconstruct and retrofit some lavish narrative around that burst of brain activity at the moment that you wake up. And what you then believe was happening in the hours before was something called a dream. So that is that. Also, oh, so that is one. That is one current theory. Oh, the, everything's the only... meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just took dreams away from us. <laughs> oh, let me just pop that bubble and send everyone hurtling back down to earth. No, it, but the evidence against that, you could argue, is that then no matter how long someone's been in REM sleep, the length of the dream that they should report should be about the same because how long you've been in REM sleep before should matter not a jot. And that's not true. So it turns yeah. out that you can use the length of a dream report as a diagnostic measure of this theory. And what you find is that people who've been in REM sleep for five minutes versus those who've been in REM sleep for 15 minutes, they end up reporting far shorter dreams, the people who've been in REM sleep for five minutes, than those who've been in REM sleep for 15 minutes, which argues that it's not just about simply being ejected from REM sleep and then whisking up a narrative from the ejected burst of electrical brain activity. It's something to do with the duration of REM sleep and probably the idea that REM sleep is a process that is fostering dreaming all along. Um, I should also note that we now um, start, are starting to have the capacity to do mind reading with MRI machines. Um, we can, yep. yes, yep. I know, it's uh -huh. kind of scary, but yep. here's, here's how it works, that you can actually um, measure brain activity as people are watching videos. And then you can understand the algorithm of the activity that's going on in their brain to the point where then you can start to show them additional videos. And by understanding the algorithm, you can, with high predictive accuracy, determine what video they subsequently watched. So in other words, you can essentially understand what people are watching and you can even recreate what they've been watching from their brain activity and then put it side by side with the actual YouTube video. People have done this with, I think it was Steve, uh, Steve Martin. But anyway, uh, the jerk, they actually played that and they should, and it looks not dissimilar. You can definitely see that the reconstructed brain activity is very close to the YouTube video that they were actually watching. The, uh, you know, <laughs> hooey. Uh, so the question then becomes, if that's not bullshit. And, wow. Uh, Own girlfriend shouting for the, I believe wow. my girlfriend just heckled me on stage. Wow. Is she a brain scientist as well? She is not. She is a professor of uh, music at UC Berkeley. Ah. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so, but yes, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a very loving uh, relationship. Anyway, sorry, I was sidetracked. Wow. So, so, I think I believe the term is supportive. No, she's that's a weird bad. ride home, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> you want me to talk to her? You want me to talk to her? If, but imagine if this is a long running fight with them, right? Where he's like, "No, mind reading is real." She's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> no, it isn't. He's like, "It's real." I've done this. She's like, "Fuck you! It's not real. You're not reading my brain at night." That's God. what you did. You read her brain. That's so domestically accurate of what happened. In fact, just last night. No, she's got to stop sleeping in the MRI machine. <laughs> no. So, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Just, just scary. Mark Wahlberg, if you could read anybody's mind, whose mind would you read? Oh shit, that'd be fucking good. <laughs> Probably like Paul Thomas Anderson to find out why he won't put me in another fucking movie. <laughs> so, quick question, by the way. Are we just all talking about the movie Inception? Is that what this is all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a movie podcast. I turn, I turn that down. Really? Yep. I'm like, I'm DiCaprio's part that. was going to go to you? No, the fucking little girl from the Juno movie. <laughs> I was like, I just don't see it. But whatever, they made their money. <laughs> wow. I hate to be the one to have to do this, but we're running up against uh, the yeah. end of the show. Running up against here. the clock here? 
But thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been a delight. Let's hear it for our guests, Professor yeah. Matt Walker. Thank you very much. Kurt Brownoller. Uh, where, uh, Matt and Kurt, where can our, where yeah, can where our can listeners find, you find out about you? They, you, you, you there's an hour and a half uh, Google uh, talk that you did. That's it's right. Very, um, very good. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm around on YouTube, and uh, if you Bullshit. just go to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting in on that. I believe this is the point where I just stop talking and give up. <laughs> uh, but please just Google me uh, and you will find me. Uh, and Kurt Brownoff? Yeah, I have my uh, K-Hole podcast on the Nerdist. You can check that out. Or if you just Google Kurt Comedy, I'm the first link. The first Kurt Comedy? I'm the first four. <laughs> Whoa. Boom. Whoa. I don't want to brag, but yeah, I've been working it. All right. Wahlberg, what do you got next, man? Fucking Transformers 4 this summer. Gonna fucking kill that. Probably gonna shoot Ted 2. Gonna shoot the sequel to Lone Survivor, The Long Ride Home. Uh, <laughs> where I go back and fucking kill those goat people. Other than that, just fucking watch Wahlburgers. It's fucking great. It's on A&E with those fucking duck people. Uh, uh, and also, can we, can we please have a huge, uh, huge round of applause for all the staff and crew at the Punchline. Punch 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 well. Thank you guys yeah. so much for having us. Thank you so much, guys, for having Thank us you. here. And our questions from the audience. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for coming, guys. Have Thanks, a good day, everybody. Bye.